What's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Josiah Weiss, and like Aaron said, I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here. Um, but if this is your first time here, maybe uh, you're visiting, or maybe uh, you've been away from this church scene for a while, or perhaps, if we're being honest, uh, you know, church has left a bad taste in your mouth, and you decided to take a chance today. If that's you this morning, we're glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I want to get to meet you after this, but welcome to Trace. Uh, this is a place where you can stop pretending. Uh, stop pretending that you have it all together. Stop pretending uh, that you don't have questions about God or church or, or theology or faith or whatever. This is a place where your questions, uh, your stories, and yes, even you can be safe and can belong even, even before you believe. And that's, that's why we do series like this one, okay? Because we know you have questions. Uh, we know you have doubts. We know you have things that you wonder about, and you might ask me, well, how do you know that? And I would, I'd probably tell you, because, you know, so do we, okay? And we've had a lot of fun with this series. I've had a lot of fun with this series, and if you've missed any of it, I would encourage you, go online, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and I hope that those messages, you can catch up, and I hope that those would be encouraging uh, to you. But we've had a lot of fun with this. Like, we've gotten to ask some pretty funny questions, um, and I got to Google some asking for a friend questions this week, and so I'm going to give you some of my favorites. And the first one was this, that uh, do bald people get dandruff? Um, <laughs> not asking for me. I'm asking for a friend or questions like, uh, this is kind of messed up, but who, whose cruel idea was it to put the letter S in the word lisp? All right, like it seems, I'm sorry, it seems a little counterintuitive. And this is my, probably my favorite. And guys, please, like, give me a little grace here. Like, I just thought this was funny, okay? But do they sterilize lethal injection needles? Like, are they worried about infection? I'm sorry, okay, I, I, had, to, I had to say it. But the truth is, we all have questions, right? And we have questions like, why does the sun darken our skin and lighten our hair? Or why... Um, do we park in the driveway and drive on the parkway, or does a one-legged duck actually swim in a circle? Um, and this is one I've been wondering all week. Why did I have a foot of snow outside of my door on Tuesday? Like, I'm from Texas. That doesn't happen, like, ever, let alone in May. Like, it should be summer. Like, that's, that's stupid, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, the truth is, we, we all have questions, don't we? And sometimes our questions are not so silly. Uh, sometimes our questions, they don't uh, make you smile, they don't make you laugh, uh, because oftentimes uh, life's biggest questions are inspired by humanity's greatest concerns. When it comes to our circumstances, usually our questions are born probably out of our circumstances, aren't they? This is especially true when it comes to this super fun topic that Aaron decided to give me called pain and suffering. Um, that maybe there's a death in the family, maybe there's a diagnosis of a loved one, uh, maybe there's sickness, maybe there's depression, and it's real, and it's excruciating, and it's painful. And it's in those moments that we start to ask questions, don't we? Um, like little kids, we go to God, like, just like we're trying to figure out the world, and we ask, we ask this question. It's a question, why? You know, maybe you've heard it phrased this way, or maybe you've even asked this, but like, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why, why is there pain and suffering at all? Or if God is good, why would he allow any of the, these things in our lives that are so painful and excruciating to happen? And we ask the question, why? Like, why death? Why depression? Why divorce? Why addiction? Why disability? Why infertility? Why loneliness? Why sickness? Why cancer? Why God? 
life. And oftentimes, that's the answer we get. Silence. Very quickly in our minds, God's silence can quickly become God's absence, can it? And we assume that because he's not answering, either he doesn't exist or that he doesn't care. And it's all because we have these questions in our lives that we don't get answered properly, right? So today, all I want to do, this is all I want to do. I just want to help you guys come to a better understanding uh, of pain and suffering, where it comes from, how we respond, what's God's role in it, those kinds of things. But it would be arrogant of me, right, to stand up here. And so before I go any further, it would be arrogant of me and probably a little bit ignorant of me as a 23-year-old to stand up here and say that I know everything uh, when it comes to this topic of pain and suffering. It would be pretty, pretty dumb of me to do that. And so I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, I'm not going to tell you that I have all the answers, but instead what I want to do is I just want to answer two very simple questions for you this morning. And it's these questions right here. When it comes to pain and suffering, where does it come from? And what is our response to it? How, how do we respond to it? And that's all we're going to cover this morning, okay? So let's start with that first one. Where does it come from? And I would say, as I've studied it, as I've looked at it, I would probably say mainly three, three places. Um, that it comes from ourselves, comes from others, and it comes from the enemy. So let's, let's start with that first one, ourselves, okay? Like before we go any further, can we just take a moment, and guys, this is going to be hard for me to do sometimes, but it's probably good for me to do as well, but can we take a moment as a room to recognize that a lot of the pain and suffering in our lives is our own fault? Like sometimes I wonder why God gave us free will, uh, why, why he gave us the ability to, to make choices and make decisions, because he did. Um, he allows us to make decisions based on what we think is best. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I wonder if that does more harm than good for us. Because a lot of times my life looks something like this, right? Where you hit the jump, you make a decision, and you're like, things are going great. But then you have this, this kind of moment <laughs> where you're hanging there. And like, I don't know if you can see his face, but like, that's the face of regret, okay? <laughs> and, and, and that's one I wear often. And a lot of times my life looks something like this. I've made a decision. I've made a choice. And I get to this moment where I'm looking out in front of me, and I don't know if you can tell what he's looking at, but you know he's about to hit the ground pretty hard. But we make these decisions, and we have these moments where we recognize that it probably wasn't the best decision for us, and that pain and suffering are probably coming soon. Like anybody in here ever made a mistake before? Yep, <laughs> you're in good company, okay? Like anybody ever suffered for your own mistakes? Yes, okay, we do that all the time because a lot of time, the pain and suffering in our lives is our own doing, right? For instance, maybe uh, you stayed in a toxic relationship a little bit too long. Like you knew that relationship probably wasn't good for you. Uh, you may have even had somebody step into your life and tell you, hey, you probably shouldn't be in that relationship anymore. And rather than getting out, you stayed in it. And that, that other person, that significant other, they hurt you. Or maybe they took advantage of you. Or maybe they said some things that to this day have surfaced massive insecurities in your life. But if you're being honest with yourself, part of that is your own responsibility, is it not? Or you think about a boss that said something to you. Or a family member that uh, responded in some sort of way. And rather than responding in truth and grace like, like we always do, right? Uh, we, we said some things. And they were hurtful. We burned a bridge. And now we're starting to feel regret or remorse, or maybe just a little bit of loneliness. 
But if we were to be real, some of that is probably our fault, right? Or you can think of debt that you've uh, incurred, or you can think of an addiction that you might have. The truth is that there is a lot of pain and suffering that is completely based on our own decisions, right? But sometimes it's not based on our decisions at all. Sometimes it's based on the decisions of others. Uh, Like when I was in high school, one of the most painful things uh, that I experienced uh, while I was in high school was uh, the death of a a close friend. And when I was in high school, I had a friend, his name was Kit, and he passed away my junior year. He was a a fellow team member of ours on uh, the football team, um, and he died from an overdose on marijuana that was laced with cocaine. And guys, I suffered for that. And there was a lot of pain there for me there. I asked a lot of questions. I questioned God a lot in those times. That had nothing to do with my decisions or my choices. It had everything to do with Kit's choices and the choices and decisions he makes because pain and suffering, sometimes it comes from other people, right? And sadly, like this happens all the time. Like just flip on the news any night of the week. And I hate this about our society, but it seems like every other week there's a church, there's a school, there's a mosque, there's a synagogue that's either bombed or shot up and people suffer not based on their own decisions, based on the choices of other people, right? Or you think of a driver who gets drunk and goes out driving and hits a teenager, and that teenager, they die. And that family, they experience pain and suffering, not based on their own decisions, but based on the decisions of someone else. Like, listen to me, free will is not free. It's not. Our freedom to choose, it's, it's not free. It comes with a cost. And that cost is that sometimes, sometimes we make bad decisions, but other times people just choose evil. See, a world with free will, a world with the freedom to choose, it warrants a world that has pain and suffering in it. I hope you can see that. But sometimes pain and suffering, it's not based on anybody's decision. It's not based on anybody's choice. Sometimes it's based, like I said, on the enemy. I'm going to take a break for a second. Guys, there's a myth in the church today, okay? Uh, especially in the American church. And what I want to do for the next couple of moments is I want to put that, that myth to death. Like, I don't want to see that here at Trace. And, and the myth is this. Life as a Christian is a life without problems, right? Life as a Christian is a life without problems. Like, once I become a Christian, like, all of my problems just, just kind of vanish, right? Like, my marriage, my marriage is going to be perfect. Like, we're never going to argue. We're never going to fight. Like, there's not going to be any time wasted trying to figure out where we're going to go to eat. Like, everything's going to be great. Or you think, uh, once I become a Christian, my kids, they're going to obey everything I say. Like, everything goes great. They're not going to struggle. They're not even going to sin. They're going to be perfect once I become a Christian, right? Or once I become a Christian, I'm going to meet that perfect boy or that perfect girl, and we're going to fall in love, and everything's going to be just fantastic. Or once I become a Christian, my finances, my family, my friendships, my faith, all of my problems are going to go away. Because once I start following Jesus, that's what happens to my problems. They just go away. Do I have any Christians in the room? Anybody? Has this been anybody's experience with faith? Probably not. Like there was not a moment where you stepped out of this hot tub looking baptistry and all your problems just got zapped into perfection. No. (laughs) Why? Because this is a myth. It's not true. Jesus, he actually says the opposite. He doesn't um, excuse you from pain or suffering. He actually promises it. He says this in John 15, 20. 
If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, they will also obey yours. Pain and suffering, they don't play favorites. They don't. The rain falls on Christians and non-Christians alike. And if I'm being honest with you, here's a little secret, probably a little bit more on Christians. Why? Because we have an enemy. And his name is Satan, and he's not all powerful, but he does have power. And Peter says this about him. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus would say uh, that he, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, that he's the father of lies. And guys, let me tell you, that's what he does. You see, here at Trace, and I hope this is the reason you're here, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And I hope you're on mission with us, but, but listen, the enemy wants nothing more than to make sure that that never happens. See, he knows that he's already lost the war. He knows because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But until Jesus returns, he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that he brings as many of us down with him as possible. And so he'll try to manipulate you or he'll feed your insecurities or he'll give you like a false identity or he'll tell you, hey, you don't belong. He'll encourage your apathy. He'll distract you from your purpose. And hear me, when this happens, pain and suffering generally follow. They do. So where does pain and suffering come from? I would say ourselves, others, and the enemy. Ourselves, others, the enemy. I could spend a whole lot more time talking about this, guys, about the intellectual side of things and where it came from, how it works, all of that. But to be honest, I, I believe this next question is more important, and it's this one right here. What is our response to it? What's our response to it? I believe there's probably two groups of people I should, I should address here today. Uh, there are those of us that have someone we love or perhaps someone we care about that are going through pain and suffering and we're wondering what is our response to them while they're in pain and suffering. And then there are those of us who are experiencing it ourselves and we're asking how do we respond to our own pain and suffering? So let me talk to that first group of people first. How can we respond when those we love are in pain and suffering? Guys, to answer that question, if I could, I'd like to be a little transparent with you all. Tell you a little bit about what's been going on in my life recently. Because the truth is I've really struggled and wrestled with this question recently. Uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, I got a call from my dad. And he told me, Josiah, I've recently been diagnosed with an extremely rare form uh, of lymphoma, of cancer. Guys, I'd love to stand on this stage today. And I'd love to tell you that I had the perfect response. You know, that, that I was composed, that I didn't shed a tear, that I didn't get angry at God, that I was not extremely disappointed, that I didn't ask questions, that I didn't doubt God's power, that I didn't stay up late at night, pouring my heart out before God. But guys, that would be a lie. Because the truth is, I've done all those things. And God recently, he's received the brunt of my emotions and I've asked him more questions than I've received answers. And silence has become a constant companion of mine. Guys, I've asked God the big questions. You know, the ones that start with why. You know, the faith-breaking questions, the faith-shaping questions, the questions that leave my head spinning in circles and leave my heart in sorrow. Questions like, God, why my dad? 
God, why, why cancer? You know his dad died of cancer. Why does he have to have cancer as well? God, God what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to respond? God, how do you expect me to be a good son to parents that live 713 miles away? Yes, I've counted all of them. Or how do you expect me to be a good brother to three guys that have extremely busy schedules and live in three different states? God, where are you? God, are you listening to me? Can you hear me? Why won't you respond to me? God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I do? God, how do you want me to respond? Guys, I've wrestled with this question a lot recently. To be honest with you, I don't have an answer. I don't. But maybe just uh, an attempt at one. Like, what do you do when the ones you love are facing something that is too big for them to handle? I'd say go find more hands. Galatians 6, 2 puts it this way. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Guys, in times of tragedy, sometimes the best things that we have to offer are a listening ear and a voice for prayer. Like when it comes to pain and suffering, people do not need your perspective. They don't. They simply need your presence. When it comes to pain and suffering, people do not need to hear your theology. They don't need you to band-aid them up with the Bible. They don't need your Hallmark card cliches, okay? They don't need your perspective. They don't need your experience. They just need you to show up. To sit beside someone, to put an arm around another. To shed a tear beside them, to sit in the crap with them. Sometimes all they need you to do is to listen and love them. And guys, sadly, as Christians, we've caused some of the most pain and the most damage when it comes to trying to respond to others who are in pain and suffering. Like, we say some pretty stupid things sometimes. And we need to be incredibly cautious that in our attempt to help others, we're not actually hurting them. And I would say sometimes, actually, I would say most times, when it comes to responding to others in pain and suffering, there's not a right thing to say. Like, hear me, hospital visits, they carry no agendas. There are no to-do lists in the living room, no manuscripts at the morgues. Guys, sometimes the best thing that you can say when someone is in pain or suffering is nothing at all. To simply listen, and when the time is right, to offer up a prayer to a big God. And in my experience, most times, that's all it takes. Like, that's all good and fine, right? We were talking about how to respond to other people who are in pain and suffering, but like, how do we respond if like I'm the one in pain and suffering? How, how do I respond to my own pain, my own suffering? A couple of weeks ago, um, I was listening to a podcast and I came across the story of this guy named Viktor Frankl. Okay, great name, Viktor Frankl. Uh, and Viktor was an Austrian neurologist uh, during the time of World War II. When the war started, he was taken just like many others to a concentration camp. But what's incredible about his story is during the war, he actually survived four different concentration camps. And during his time there, he became incredibly fascinated with one very simple question. It's a question you and I ask all the time. It's the question, why? He looked around at the world he was dying in. He saw the brutal conditions. He saw the malnutrition. He saw the death that constantly surrounded him. And he asked a question of purpose. He said, does my pain have a purpose? Does their pain 
have a purpose? Is there a message inside of this great big mess? And he would come to find that those who ended up surviving uh, World War II, who ended up surviving the concentration camps, something they all had in common is that they had a reason for doing so. They had a why behind their survival. He would go on to say this, those who have a why to live can bear almost anyhow. They can survive almost any circumstance. And this why for Victor became known as what's called a redemptive perspective. Okay, a redemptive perspective. And what he found out is that every situation of pain and suffering that he faced, he was able to find a redemptive perspective. And the same was true of everybody around him. When he asked them to find one, they were able to find one. That if he dug deep enough, if he looked hard enough, there was something there that could redeem his situation. And he talked about a conversation he had with another inmate uh, that was contemplating suicide inside a concentration camp. This was uh, incredibly common. But he asked him, hey, look, I need you to try and find a redemptive perspective in this. Like, how can uh, your life and suffering inside a concentration camp outweigh your death and potentially freedom from pain? And guys, surely there's, you know, surely there's not a redemptive perspective in that. But here's the conclusion they came to. This man said that if I choose to commit suicide, if I choose to die by suicide, I will receive all the shame and the blame will be on me and no one will hear my story. But if I, if I choose to work really hard, if I choose to fight for life, if I choose to even hope maybe, even if I die in the process, it'll show how ruthless and sick the Nazis really were. Guys, even inside a concentration camp amidst suicide, this man was able to find this redemptive perspective. And Victor would go on to say this, life is never made unbearable by circumstances. Some of us might, might disagree with that. Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. Guys, he would call that a redemptive perspective. I would simply call that hope. When it comes to pain and suffering, I'm not concerned with your ability to cope, with your ability to push past pain, to move on with your life. I'm concerned with your ability to hope because guys, anybody can learn how to cope. Anybody can ignore their pain to push past it uh, for other distractions in life. But hear me, when it comes to pain and suffering, your most precious commodity, your most precious commodity is hope. And so I'll ask you here, what, what is your hope? What's your redemptive perspective? Very soon after my dad got cancer, I listened to him pray this prayer. He said, Lord, I have cancer. I'm not going to ignore it. But God, if there's someone that I'm going to meet along this way that needs to know you, God, give me the courage to make the introduction. God, if you need to use this to get my attention, help me to listen. Hear me today. Your pain can have a purpose. But what is your redemptive perspective? Like wrestle with that question. Ask that question a lot. And if you can't see clearly, find someone who can. Guys, this isn't the grass is greener on the other side. This is the potential, the possibility that the grass could be greener here where you are. Your response to pain is not to cope, to get on with your life, to move past it, to ignore it, to forget it. Your response to pain is to hope that someday things could be made better. 
So I'll ask you one last time, what's your redemptive perspective? Before I go any further, I want, I want to recognize that, that there's probably some of you in here today that like this is not a hypothetical conversation. Like we're not talking about scenarios, we're talking about your life. And to talk about hope and to talk about this thing called a uh, redemptive perspective, like that's all good and fine, but it kind of feels like a slap in the face if we're being honest. If that's you this morning, I need you to hear me. I love you. And we love you. And this is the kind of church that wants to fight uh, beside you. They want to help carry your burdens. And if you've not heard anything I've said this morning, I need you to hear this. Write it down so that you remember it, please. But it's this, you're not alone. You're not alone. I know it may feel like it. I know it may seem like it, but look around this room. You got a whole room of people that are willing and ready to help bear your burdens with you. And I know it can feel like your prayers are maybe bouncing off the ceiling, that they're not getting to God, and either God's not listening, either he's not there, or he just doesn't care. And that can make an already hard situation even worse. So I want to tell you a couple things that I know to be true about God, especially when it comes to pain and suffering. And first and foremost, it's this. God does not work on the front end of pain. He doesn't. If somebody's told you that, I'm sorry. But you better believe he does work on the back end of it. Guys, to say that God caused your pain, a lot of times, is to say that God caused someone to sin in order to get your attention. And I don't believe that's who God is. And like we love to go to people trying to comfort them, saying things like uh, Romans 8.28, you know, God works for the good of those who love him. Or we say things uh, like everything happens for a reason. Like, can we stop saying that to people? Because what we're doing is we're putting God on the front end of tragedy. We're turning him into some glory-mongering monster. And those phrases, they've done more harm than good. Because when you put God on the front end of tragedy, you're giving people a false view of who God is. Listen, God doesn't need to cause evil in order to display his grace. We cause enough evil for God to work with, right? We do. And you see, God is in the business of transformation. But you got to understand, he's the best at what he does. There's nobody better than him at it. He can take the worst part of your life, the worst thing imaginable in your life, and he can turn it into something that, yeah, you may, not, uh, you may be cautious about, but eventually you're extremely grateful for. And I've seen this true in my life countless times and, and even more times in the lives of others where, where there's something hard. Some suffering exists where there's a death, there's a sickness, there's a depression that really exists. And in the moment, it feels like the worst possible thing imaginable. But then you experience this moment, and I've experienced this before, where you get past it. It may not be a day later, it may not be a year later, maybe it's 10 years later. And you're able to look back at your life, and you're able to see growth. That if you were to take that instance of pain and suffering out of your life, you'd be a completely different person. And it's this kind of pain, this kind of suffering that we can point to, and you, you would say, I would not choose it again. There's no way I'd go through it again but I probably wouldn't change it either, right? You see, your greatest potential for growth, your greatest potential for growth could come from your greatest degree of pain. 
And I believe that simply because I know we serve a God that turns pain into potential, that turns your suffering into other people's saving, that turns the very wounds that Satan has caused in your life into the very weapons used to defeat him so that one day you can hear from God, just like Paul in 2 Corinthians who says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Do you see it? Listen, our weakness is God's opportunity. Our weakness is God's opportunity. And you gotta, you gotta know, God does not work on the front end of the pain, but you better believe that he works on the back end of it. Like, do you wanna know if God cares? You guys wanna know if God cares? Like, look at the cross. Look at the cross. Like, he stepped down from the safety, the security, the wealth of heaven to this place <laughs> that we call planet Earth that's messed up, jacked up, broken, and he experienced what we experienced. Uh, Hebrews actually says he was tempted in every single way that we were, yet he didn't sin. Guys, Jesus can relate to your pain, to your suffering. But eventually a day would come where he would have to go to a cross and he would be beaten and he would be bloodied and he would be bruised, not for his sake, but for yours and for mine. And he would take on your sin and he would take on your shame and your pain. Why? Why would he do that? Because he looked around at this world and he saw exactly what you see. He saw the brokenness, right? He, he saw uh, the pain. He saw the suffering. He saw the miscarriages. He saw the suicidal thoughts. He saw the burned bridges, the cancer victims, the addictions, the starvation, the orphans, the poverty. You guys, he saw it all. And he chose to climb up on a cross and he died so that someday all of that could go away. If you want to know my hope, if you want to know my redemptive perspective, guys, it's that. that someday we're going to get to experience something that's 10 times, a thousand, a million, infinity times better than what we experience here. A world without pain and suffering and tears. Paul puts it this way. For in this hope, in this hope of Jesus, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Guys, that is the truth of the hope that I, that I look for. We wait for it patiently. Our response to pain and suffering is not to cope. It's to hope. And I'll leave you with this. God is the only one who can bring purpose to your pain. He's the only one. He's the only one with the power to sustain you in suffering. So I'll close with this question. Even though God may not change your pain, even if he doesn't change your pain, are you choosing to invite him into it? And even if it doesn't change, will you choose to invite him into it? If that's a conversation you want to talk about, or if you want to talk about that kind of hope, I'm going to be right over there. And I'd love to have a chat with you. Let's pray. Your Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for being a big God. 
God, thank you for being a big God that, that cares and listens. So God, I ask that you hear us today. God, I know there are people in this crowd um, that are suffering. God, they're hurting. And if they're not, they know someone who is. God, teach us how to respond full of both grace and truth. Let us love people well, Lord. God, we're grateful for Jesus and the promise that he, he gave us that someday, God, all of this is going to go away. God, help us to cling on to that hope. Help us to live our lives based on that hope. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.